0: Seven million plus Canadians, you know this now, live with constant chronic pain, some in desperate agony. The Chronic Pain Association of Canada surveyed many of these Canadians and they found that as their opioid prescription medications are arbitrarily slashed or ended, the incidence of suicidal thoughts and suicide attempts are rising dramatically. In September, the International Association for the Study of Pain will hold a conference featuring the world's top pain scientists, and my guests will be speaking. At the conference, Kate Nicholson is the Executive Director and Founder of the National Pain Advocacy Center in the United States. You'll find it at nationalpain.org. She's a former US Justice Department lawyer. Dr. Hans Clark is the Director of Pain Services and Medical Director of the Pain Research Unit at the Department of Anesthesia and Pain Management at Toronto General Hospital where he's also a staff anesthesiologist. Uh, Thank you both for for coming back on the program. Uh, Kate, uh, tell us a bit, please. I don't know where to start on this, other than I know that there are people in this country, millions of people who are suffering and are having their pain meds slashed. Uh, in the United States, the Supreme Court just ruled, did it not, in a, a ruled or declared something very favorably toward pain patients. Can you tell us what that is?
1: Uh, absolutely, right. So we participated, National Pain uh, did, um, as amicus curiae in that case, which is basically a friend of the court for a, uh, someone who's not a party in the case. The issue was the appropriate standard for prosecuting um, someone who prescribes controlled medications under the Controlled Substances Act. And what had happened in the 50 years or so uh, since the Supreme Court last considered the issue is the standard for um, conviction had really eviscerated. And so we stepped in to say that a standard which overly deters is having a negative effect on the treatment of pain, um, treatment of opioid use disorder, treatment of, you know, epilepsy and a number of conditions um, that require controlled medications because doctors are afraid um, of prescribing medication. Um, the, the issue, without too much legal ease, is that, you know, d- there was enough vagueness in the regulatory standards that a doctor could be, could face criminal conviction for, um not for intentionally or knowingly uh, prescribing outside of authorized standards, um, but just because a few experts came in and disagreed with the way in which they were doing that. And the Supreme Court unanimously, which is pretty rare uh, in this term, uh, with a 9-0 opinion, uh, really adopted the position that we argued for, which was that uh, a provider can only be convicted for knowingly or intentionally prescribing not for a legitimate medical purpose or outside the usual course of professional care.
0: Well, congratulations. And on behalf of millions of pain patients in the United States, I think around 50 million, more than 7 million in this country, thank you. Uh, Dr. Clark, what's the reality in in Canada for pain patients? We've talked about this, but I get emails almost daily from pain patients saying, I've been cut off or my um, pain meds have been arbitrarily slashed. I don't know what I'm going to do. Where can I turn? What can I do? What's the reality? Why are more than why are so many people in this country suffering unnecessarily?
2: Yeah, I think you know it's such a complex um, answer. We know where we were about eight or ten years ago, and, and where the pendulum started to, to swing pretty heavily because they were calling out physicians, in particular, for overprescribing of opioids. Of which we know there was a big article published where even in Ontario they had about 75 physicians called. To the, to the board almost. And, and almost all of them were prescribing relatively well. A lot of them have pain practices. Uh, I think it was one or two that, that really had got their uh, hands slapped. But that really changed the tone of uh, opioids and prescribing and pain patients and obviously pointing the finger at us in terms of the illicit drug crisis and, and the deaths that have been happened. We all know we've already reduced by 15% opioid prescribing in Canada over the past you know four or five years. But yet, the death toll and, and, and the you know the consequence of the illicit fentanyl crisis is continuing to drive those numbers up. So we're starting to really understand that you know it wasn't just the physicians and opioids that were causing this opioid crisis. And so we're stuck though with this bitter taste uh, in physicians' mouths. I think a little bit, and they're afraid that there are still some of this historical remnant of what uh, you know policies were being. Uh, developed around, and you know there has been a change in, the, in even on the CPSO stand. They, they went very clearly uh, towards a position where it says it's an appropriate practice to have your physician use the guidelines and not uh, actually just force taper individuals so that each individual's needs can be looked at on an individual basis. And so, you know, that's where we stand. But unfortunately, we haven't recovered from that pendulum swing of,
0: of yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah, I actually talked to a doctor not so long ago who told me that he's concerned, still very concerned, about prescribing opioids, even at dosages uh, that have been successful for his patients for a long period of time. He's just worried that the college will come after him. Uh, that was his term, after him. There's. Uh, let's talk about this... Um, this International Association for the Study of Pain meeting that takes place uh, in in September, I believe. Kate, what's what's uh, what's going on there, and how impactful will this, in fact, be? Both you and Dr. Clark are speaking.
1: Uh, yes, we we put together um, a proposal for a symposium at the IASP, which is a, a scientific meeting that's sort of world uh, worldwide, the International Association for the Study of Pain, um, on this pendulum swing, looking at it from the perspectives of the United States, Canada, and Europe. And and one of the things that is interesting, <coughs> excuse me, is that Europe has not had the same sort of crisis um, in terms of overdose, overdoses or addiction that we have. Um, and one of the reasons is they were pretty thoughtful in their approach to opioids and pain and not treating all pain as a monolith from the get-go. You know, one of the problems is Hans mentioned, in the United States and Canada has been sort of uh, this pendulum swing where you're really, you know, people are sort of falling through the cracks on both sides uh, because of bad policy choices.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm going to be fascinating. Well, I'm fascinated by what comes out of this and and very interested, clearly. Um, Dr. Clark, would you say that for Canadians, and, and again, you know, I look at the uh, the study that was done, the survey that was done by the Chronic Pain Association of Canada, which shows concerning and large increase in the numbers of pain patients thinking about suicide and a significant increase in suicide attempts. Is there, are we going to see action in this country to put a stop to this? Nobody should be in that in that kind of desperate situation.
2: Well, Roy, I really hope so. I, I, I think I mentioned perhaps the last time I was on the call that we did have Minister Bennett uh, present at our Canadian Pain Society meeting earlier in May. And I'll tell you that, you know, they, at least at the federal level, they are understanding that we have some significant unintended consequences for these big policy shifts and, and changes and the, and the way that things were pointed in a specific direction. And so the question now is, how do we kind of correct the course? And one of the things that's really challenging is that, you know, because of the angst around this, A lot of this is falling in the hands of specific pain physicians and we just don't have enough of those individuals to be able to take care of the population so we really have to somehow get the temperature back down on this issue because you're absolutely right there are patients that are that are struggling to continue some medications they've been placed on for decades some of these folks right yeah
0: yeah i sent an emailed invitation to minister bennett and minister duclos to appear on this program and talk about the issue, and uh, with more than seven million Canadians suffering, neither minister bothered to respond, which is unfortunate. But uh, I thank you both always. Uh, Kate, you and I have been talking for many years, and uh, your work on behalf of pain patients, and you were a chronic pain patient at one time. You, uh, no longer, but you know what it's like, and thank you so much. And Dr. Clark, I, I when I hear you speak, I think there's hope for, uh, for pain patients in this country.
2: Oh, thank you very much. Let's let's hope that we can start to change the tide and start to help some of the 20%, as you said, uh, of Canadians struggling with this chronic lifelong illness.
0: If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.